This Sunday is the third Sunday in our Harvest series. And last Sunday was about potential, potential, potential. And, you know, I used a pack of seeds. And I talked about the truth of the seed is that they never advertise hard work on the package. They never see, you never get a picture of somebody weeding. You get a picture of a potential. And what happens is, is you fall in love with the picture and you're willing to do all of the work necessary to acquire what you've seen. And we talked about God planting a seed in each and every one of our lives. And what did we want to see? What was that picture that motivated us and moved us to tear things up? Because that's one of the first things in the process of farming is they take a field that looks like it's full of grass and they take these big tractors and they tear all the ground up to get it ready for the seed. And so I talked to you last week about what is it in your dreams, your call, your anointing, your family, your relationships, your, your marriages, your businesses. What is it that God wants to plant a seed? What is it about our church? And we talked about the New Testament church. And I said these words and I meant every word of it. I do not want to go out and get other people from other churches. I don't want to get into the competition of trying to out-church another church. Let's just preach the power of the gospel. What we want is we want somebody that right now isn't even saved. They don't even know Jesus. They're driving around, hanging out. They're, they're doing all kinds of things. We want to have the opportunity to present the gospel to that man or woman, boy or girl, that is right now not in knowledge of Christ, that we might expand the kingdom, not just transfer members. Amen? And so today, it's not about potential. It's about process, process, process. Now, we had 25 people, I think, in two services get saved last week. If you're one of, we had two this morning, and I was so thankful for that. If you're one of those people that raised your hand last week, or you're one of those that may come forward today and get saved, we want to really strongly recommend you take the next step in water baptism on November the 3rd. So keep that in mind. But I want you to look at your neighbor. Let's start this uh, sermon out by one of those look at your neighbor moments. I stole this from Alex, and I thought he stole this from T.D. Jakes. So, uh, you know, look at your neighbor and say, potential, potential, or yes, uh, process, process, process. Let's pray. <laughs> and then I'll try to wrap this thing back up. <laughs> Father, today I thank you for a moment. A moment, Father, where I don't want to stand in the position of having experience. Experience of over 25 years of preaching almost every Sunday. God, I don't want to stand here in my experience. And I don't want to stand here with a style. I would rather just stand here in the anointing. And so, Father, anoint me with the power of the Holy Spirit that makes a subject, you know, about the process it's not one of those stand up and shout sermons, but God, I know it's much needed in the kingdom. So Father, galvanize us together today in obedience that we might submit our hearts and minds to the hearing of your word. And I give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. See, a lot of times, as I mentioned last week, we want to pray for God to do magic. 
We want Him to give us everything instantly without very little responsibility or participation on our part. But most of the time, even though God is capable of doing things instantly, and we've seen that, we've participated in that, but nine times out of ten, the value of what you are praying for that you're asking God to do instantly is more valuable to you after a process. It isn't that God wants you to earn it. It's just that there's things that He has to work out in you during the process that not only allows you to be blessed, but it, there's, there's character things that God works out. I'm just preaching to me now. There's character things that He's trying to work out in David that by the time I get to the blessing, my character will allow me to keep it. Amen. And so a lot of times we are... We want God to do things just instantly. Boom. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm just going to be a little vulnerable here. And me and Michelle, we did not always hit a home run parenting. You know, we, we hit some home runs and then we struck out some. And we learned some things trying to raise David that we learned not to do that would help Joshua because he's second. How many of you did better on your second kid than the first kid? Say amen. Amen. Yeah, we had a little experience. Okay. It isn't that we, 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 we jacked Dave, we just tried to, you know, we didn't know no better. <laughs> Let's reel it in, Dave, reel it in. But if you was to ask me what I would do different about parenting, one of the things that I would do differently is I would give them less and make them earn more. I'm a gift giver. I, I love to give gifts. And I told first service, if it's your birthday and I've bought you something, you, we're never going to get to your birthday. I'm going to give it to you like a week early. I just can't stand stuff like that. I'm just like, oh, I got to give it to them. And, you know, but because what happens when you get everything instantly without any responsibility, you, go, you move into an entitlement mentality like you deserve it. And sometimes you have to earn those positions of allowing yourself to be in the process because as much as my two boys wanted to become men about 15, it was a process they had to go through to acquire manhood. Well, I'm going to tell you, how many of you believe that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, was the or, it values salvation? Say amen. You know that salvation was an instant? Not the plan anyway. Now when you got saved and you asked Jesus to forgive you in your heart, that happened instantly. Sanctification is a process. But the process of you getting saved through the vehicle in which you know, do you realize that Scripture says God had that in His heart and in His mind before the foundations of the earth? Listen to Scripture about how long God had conceived the plan of salvation. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4 said, Blessed be the God of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Just to reiterate, and I've been telling you that when God starts to say things in Scripture more than one time, it's important. 1 Peter 1, 18-20 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. 
not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. See, Scripture tells us God had the plan of salvation, but He didn't do things that we thought He should do instantly. Like He didn't send Jesus when Adam and Eve fell. All of a sudden you've got this garden, it's perfect, they transgress, they rebel, they fall short. You know what? Jesus didn't show up. Not the way that we know Him. He didn't show up and save Adam and Eve. Because if Jesus would have come at that point in time, He would have saved a man and a woman. But the plan was bigger. So what God did was God planted a seed in a man's heart. And today we're going to use corn as an analogy. And I've got a couple of corn kernels up here. They're the seed. And do you realize that there is power in a seed? We talked about that last week, about the potential. And so God took the plan of salvation and planted it in the heart of a man named Abram. Stuck it in the dirt. Didn't look like much. Matter of fact, the dirt... Ah, probably wasn't even the greatest of soil. Because in the planting of the seed of the covenant with God and Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he tells a 75-year-old childless man, I'm going to make a father out of you. And I'm not just going to make you a father of one or two kids. I'm going to make you a father of, of so many children. It would be as the sand of the sea and the stars of heaven. And then said, I'm not going to make a nation out of you. I'm going to make you the father of nations. And, and included in the deposit of this seed, he tells them basically that your ancestors, your lineage is going to bless the world. Now, there's something about planting a seed. I just planted this seed. I, I actually got brought real live stuff today. That's dirt. That's real stuff. And you know what? It's good seed. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to give you a preview of tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm going to give you a preview of Wednesday of this week. <laughs> Did you notice that sometimes we give up because we're praying for God to give us a harvest and He gives us a seed and has, put, has now engaged you into a process, but you want things so right now that you are tempted by the anxiousness of your feelings that when you don't see anything happening instantly, ah, preach to me, pastor. Give me a little, give me a little meat to the bones of this thing. You guys ask me, some of you out there ask me to help when it comes to relationships and you call it counseling and you come in and you say, Pastor, I need help in my marriage and all of a sudden I'm saying, we're ready to help. What's going on? And you tell me about 10 or 15 years of dysfunction. Don't get worried. We've got a God bigger than your 10 or 15 years of dysfunction. Amen? But you've sown seed of craziness for 10 or 15 years in the lives of each other. And now somebody has said they're sorry. And that's supposed to be like magic. I'm sorry. Well, the problem is, is they've heard you say I'm sorry like a thousand times. 
But you say, no, this time is different. I went to the altar, got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to change. And you, keep, and you mean it. And you've been transformed. And you start changing. And you think that after you've done it for two weeks, that, they should, that this should be marital bliss. Pastor, I, I meant what I said. You ain't giving it long enough to sprout yet. It's just dirt. And so you don't see it doing anything, so you give up and go back to your old ways. And you are dismayed that you get the same results you've always got. Because we didn't leave it in the process. You say, well, pastor, I'm not married or, or maybe my relationship is good. This is another one that happens all the time. Pastor, help me, uh, you know, pray with me for financial blessing. And what you're really wanting me to pray with is on Wednesday and Saturday they draw these numbers and you want those numbers. <laughs> but you call it financial blessing because the difference between winning the lottery and financial blessing is the seed of a budget. Woo! Somebody preach, man. Like I got to learn how to handle what little bit I got so when I get a little bit more, you ain't going to instantly get blessed. If you get a million dollars tomorrow, if you spend it like you spent your $36, you'll be broke still. That's just free stuff. That ain't even in my outline. <laughs> but we get messed up sometimes because we get anxious and we want to go dig up the seed see if it's doing all right. That's what happened to Abraham. He got promised to be the father of nations at 75, at 90-something. Him and his wife said, oh God, you must need some help. No, I don't need no help. I'm just waiting for it to sprout. It ain't time for it to sprout yet. Because if it, it sprouted between now and then, you would have thought it was you. But they said, no, let's come up with a plan. So she come up with a plan. She had a, 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 a handmaiden named Hagar. And she said, God must want you to marry her. And Abraham does, amen. <laughs> amen to that. And you know what? They have a child. His name is Ishmael, but he's not the son of promise. And Ishmael's not supposed to be the conveyor of covenant. He's not part of the seed of salvation. But Isaac is. And at 99, an angel comes and tells this man that was... that. Now has one child, you're fixing to have another son. And it is so funny to his wife, Sarah, inside. She starts to laugh. And the angel says, dear, don't laugh. It's going to be you that's pregnant. <laughs> Isaac comes to earth, the conveyor of covenant. The, now the fruition of a seed, it's starting to sprout. 612 years later. The seed of Abraham has now reached over a million people. They call themselves the Israelites. But now they have gone through famine. They've gone through good times and bad times. They find themselves in Egypt. And for 430 years they've been slaves. This is in the Bible because of a purpose. It's showing you the process. Look at your neighbor and say process. Because the seed was planted in covenant. But we know that Jesus couldn't come during this time because if he came during this time, he'd only saved really Adam and Eve and a few people. But now it's 612 years later and there's a million people that's a nation called Israel, the chosen people of God, the people under covenant, but now they're slaves. And anytime you read something in the Old Testament is foreshadowing, that means you're getting a peek at something better that's going to come. 
Don't get satisfied with stalks. It's no longer seeds. But now you got some stalks. Now they're in slavery. Now the analogy of the Bible is telling us that the law of sin and death, the bondages that you and I had before Christ in sin was an evil taskmaster like the Egyptians because the Egyptians would treat the, the Israelite slaves harshly. You ever notice how sin treated you harshly and you called it fun? Yeah. I mean, I come from a background where I had some addictions. And did you ever notice that just like the, the Bible read about the Egyptian taskmasters, they said that they would uh, go get them straw so they could make bricks and then they got mad at the, uh, the Israelites and they said, we're not going to get you straw and now we're going to hold you accountable for the same number of bricks. We're going to treat you harsher. That's exactly what sin does to your life over and over and over again. It treats you harshly because I used to do things like get drunk. You say, Pastor, are you getting legalistic? No, man, I'm not telling you if you drink a beer, you're going to die and go to hell. I'm telling you, the Bible says if you get drunk, it causes you chaos. Amen? I used to be that guy that got drunk or high. Either one. And do you realize that no matter how good the drug was or how much I was drinking, that the next day I always had to do more because it was never enough? I thought it would be enough to satisfy the desires of my soul, but it didn't never satisfy. It didn't matter how many people I was with. It didn't matter how many girlfriends I had. It didn't matter all of these things. I know it's hard to imagine, but just go by faith. And, and you know, but none of that satisfied because a farmer doesn't get paid for how many stalks he has in a field. It's how many bushels of corn he harvests. So they never go into the co-op. I'm from a farming community. They never go into the co-op and say, hey man, how many stalks you got? They don't care how many stalks you got, but that's what we do in church. How many members you got? I'm not worried about how many members you got, how much harvest you got. Woo! So this little seed turned into this. But then God says, I'm going to show you a foreshadowing of the harvest that is to come. Because a lot of people get confused because there's little bitty corn cobs on these stalks, but they're not ready to eat yet. And you eat your harvest prematurely because you can't stand to wait. And you think this is the blessing God sent you. No, you ate it before it got there. What are you talking about, Pastor? See, the problem with this is... God tells Moses, he says, I'm going to get you out of slavery tonight and this is how we're going to do it. You're going to take a lamb, you're going to kill that lamb and you're going to take the blood of that lamb that's called a Passover lamb and you're going to apply it to the door lentils of your house and the death angel is going to come through Egypt and pass over everything marked with the blood. Now, you say, well, pastor, this is, this is just good gospel, man. Yeah, we got the Passover lamb. We got the blood on the post. I'm not Israeli and I didn't live when they were slaves to Egyptians. So if this was the harvest, God would have either saved one man and one woman in the garden or saved Abraham and a few of his clan or he would have got over here and saved a million people but only saved one nation. Because God's intentions for harvest and salvation was not blood on a doorpost but blood on you. Because I don't know... If, uh, I, now, now, if you're here for the first time, I'm going to say this like they do on the plane. Buckle up. 
turbulence is coming. Teaching Pastor Dave is fixing to turn into T.D. Jake's Pastor Dave because I need it. You may not need Passover. You may not need blood. You, there's so many people nowadays that say, just clean this thing up, man. I don't want to get messy with the blood of Jesus and, and, and all that cross mess that's so messy and he got brutalized. Man, if it wasn't for Jesus getting brutalized and blood being spilled, I wouldn't be saved. I told you last week, if you go into a church and they're not saying Jesus 500 or 600 times during the sermon, you're probably listening to some good self-help tips, but you need something more than self-help when the crisis of life comes on. I need to be marked with the blood because I still sin today and I need somebody that is going, I need a God that is going to pass over because I'm covered with the blood. Amen? Amen. We live streaming. I hope you got that. See, because faith is required with Abraham. That is courageous action. You know, but then we get over here to applying blood to a door. That don't even make sense. How's blood going to make a difference? But in the next morning when, they, when the Egyptians were crying and, and suffering the, the tragedy of the loss of their firstborn, every house that was marked with the blood was passed over and their newborns were in their arms as they were walking to freedom instead of staying in slavery. Can somebody say amen? But this isn't the harvest. This is. When it's mature. See, and all of a sudden, the day came. The seed grows. It goes into a stalk, but finally becomes the maturity of the fruit. And the day finally arrives. Listen to how the Bible describes it in Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. That means I couldn't get there by the rules or through the rules, but I had one that could keep it when I couldn't. So the perfect one came above the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction. Somebody say amen for no distinction. That means I didn't have to be born of Abraham to be saved. That means that even though I wasn't a part of the first covenant, I can now be part of this covenant. Amen? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was what was to show God's righteousness because in the, His divine forbearance He had passed there's that word. He had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at a present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Because in this system, if this was the system we were going to get saved by, we'd have to kill a lamb every single year for atonement. And he wouldn't cure the issue of sin, he'd just cover it. But I thank God that one day that Jesus walked by his cousin in, uh, around Jerusalem somewhere and all down the bank of a Jordan River and his cousin looked over in John chapter 1 and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It wasn't going to be a Passover lamb. It was going to be the Lamb of the Son of God. And he was going to die once and for all. Amen. That didn't get the response that it needed. 
Because what you think Jesus died for is what you did yesterday. How many of you were alive when Jesus was crucified? So every sin in this room was in the future. See, God didn't just die for what I used to be. He died for me and took care of all the things I used to do and all the things you used to do. But the blood of Jesus is so powerful enough, it can walk into my tomorrows and say, He's going to fall short right here, but the blood of the Lamb is still enough. It says, For this is, there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at, proper, at the proper time, at harvest. A process. 1 John 2 and 2 says, He is the perpetuation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. See, it wasn't blood on wood around a door. It come in a different form. Will you put that picture up on that mount? Oh my goodness, look at here. It was the blood of a lamb that was going to be spilt on a cross. And the power of that cross and the spilling of that blood was going to forgive sin for once and for all. And he was going to pass over the judgment that should have been yours and should have been mine. And he was going to take it on himself and carry it all the way to the cross and crucify it. So we could have harvest, a process. And if God thought so much of the plan of salvation to do it in process, wonder what process is going on in you. That you keep asking God to do it instantly. Wonder if it's about seed being sown, you taking care of the seed and that seed turning into stalks and those stalks not being eaten prematurely, but you waiting for it to get mature. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I may not be there yet, but I'm getting there. Amy, you ready? Amy, get ready there on the piano. What's the harvest look like? Let me show you. Play that video. You say, but if I believe God, isn't that enough? I want to tell you before you leave Madison Square Garden this night of May 15th, you can find everything that you've been searching for in Christ. Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the light. He was a mighty man. The Bible tells us that in spite of our sins and rebellion, that God loves us. And don't let anybody ever tell you that it's white or black. Christ belongs to all people. He belongs to the whole world. Are you willing to receive Christ tonight? Because you may never have a moment quite like this again. You come and receive him into your heart and say yes to him. Hundreds of you right now. Just get up out of your seat and say tonight, I want my sin forgiven. I want to know I'm going to heaven. I want eternal life. I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to follow him from this night on.
210 million people heard the gospel by one man. The harvest. 185 countries and territories. See, this could only be preached in the Old Testament. Just in the position of Isaac. But Isaac turned into Israel. Israel now could only be preached with the blood of the Lamb of Atonement that had to happen repetitively over after one year after another year after another year. The sins were covered but not taken care of, not, not transformed. But when we finally got to the cross, you can preach that anywhere in the world. You can preach it in the Republic of China that Jesus was what lived, He died, and was resurrected by the, the power of the Holy Spirit on the third day, and His blood will forgive you of your sin. And every man, woman, boy, and girl in the Republic of China can be saved. The same gospel preached on the continent of Africa. It didn't matter the tone of a skin color. It didn't matter where you come from. It didn't matter what house you live in. You may not live in it. You may live in a gated community. Community, but the gospel is just as powerful in a thatched hut to a man or a woman that hears the power of the blood of Jesus and receives the power of that salvation. It is for the world. It is, God didn't die just to save two or three people. He did not die to save a nation. He died to save the world that we might perpetuate a covenant promise to a man that he gave a seed to. You say, well, Pastor, I'm no Billy Graham. You may be. Because Genesis chapter 1, verse, 20, verse 12 and verse 27 says that there's seed in the fruit. He said in the orange tree there's oranges, and in that orange there's seed to make other orange trees. I am the fruit of salvation. The power of Christ Jesus once and for all. I am saved in Christ alone, by Him alone, through faith alone. God, that's good. And I may not be Billy Graham. I'm not going to go to 185 countries. I ain't got enough time to live now. But I'm here with you. And maybe you are going to go to 185 countries. Maybe there's somebody in our children's ministry going to stand up and be the next Billy Graham, the next Catherine Coleman. Maybe they're going to have a microphone and declare the same gospel that the Apostle Paul preached, the same gospel that Pastor Alex preaches, the same gospel that Pastor Matt preaches, the same gospel that Amy and, and David worship and sing about and teach about. It's the same gospel I preach every single week. But they may have the opportunity to be seed sown in fertile ground and the process says God's not going to make them Billy Graham overnight it's going to start with one of you teaching them a Sunday school lesson God help me you want miracles be the miracle you let God use you as seed to plant in the ground of somebody else's life we can have some miracles well pastor I wish he would raise the dead pray for somebody dead amen Pastor, I, I want the Bible days. I want the book of Acts. Grab you somebody that, that's in a wheelchair and start praying. And if it don't happen right there instantly, say, man, I planted a seed today and I'm going to keep watering it because I believe that there's a way that someday you're going to get up. 
I read an incredible story. I know this is a rabbit trail, but I'm going to go over there today. I read an incredible story about a cheerleader this week. She did a flip. She found she was a, like a top level a gymnast. And she severed her, or she did something to her spine and her neck. It was like a diving accident. She went completely uh, um, quadriplegic. And the lady ran to her that was a nurse and said, Hey, can you move? And she said, I can't move anything. And this was her attitude. She said, But ask me a math problem because I can still think. And she took that grit. And she started, they did a surgery on her that night. And they didn't expect much. But I saw her this week and she, she walked into Butler University to become a physical uh, 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 physician's assistant. Why? Because she had a faith to believe in a God that could do the impossible when everybody was saying it was impossible. She didn't regain walking overnight. It took her years. And so I know... I, have relationships with people that are debilitated in their bodies but I believe that I have a God that, that, that sometimes it's going to happen instantly but sometimes I'm going to believe hey man I'm not seeing nothing but I believe in the God that raised a man up at 99 years old to have a son and I believe in a God that after 400 years of slavery could get them out with some blood and I believe a cross that says that it still bleeds and still saves souls today Amen. Whew, let me take the T.D. Jakes jacket off. Get back into Pastor Dave teaching mode. What's planted in you? And what harvest is yet to come? And don't give up because it doesn't come instantly. Stay the course. You've said you're sorry. Keep being a godly man or a godly woman. Your spouse will notice it eventually. Don't give up. Pastor, I want financial freedom. Stay with that budget. I know it hurts when you have to say no, but just stay, keep saying no and it'll keep growing. Say, Pastor, I want to be one of those people like I saw on that video. I want to come forward today. The Bible says this, though your sins are scarlet, you can be white as snow before you leave here. 